clinching down to the wire. NFL going into week four. We're going into week five here in college football. And oh, by the way, college basketball gets started today. This is the Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman alongside. A lot of talk about today, Dave. Any whistleblowers? And uh, Not in this podcast. Excellent. Yes. And you're growing a beard. It's, it's, I'm growing stubble. Well, that that's a good sign. That is that's, a good sign. That's that's going in the right direction. Absolutely. Well, it's, you know, it's basketball season, and of course, for, for those of you that are just joining us here on the Bearded Carcast, this is how it came about. Dave and I work on the Winthrop broadcast. We go to a lot of basketball games, and we have a lot of great conversations in the car driving to Winthrop games on the road. And that's how this was born out. We decided to uh, tape our conversations in the car. Now, this is not in the car. This is actually uh, in the in the media room at Winthrop. But today is the first day of basketball, and we are excited. It's going to be a great season of Winthrop basketball. We've got some great trips coming up out of the gates. We're going to start off in Hartford. Then we're going to go for immediately from Hartford, go out to the West Coast. We'll play St. Mary's and Fresno State. So it's going to be an opening uh, weekend. It's going to be uh, pretty crazy. We haven't really, really figured out exactly what we're going to do yet, but any suggestions on places to eat on the road? I know California you kind of have covered. Uh, <laughs> Dave's a native uh, uh, Californian. and I'm a native New Englander. My brother lives just outside of Hartford, so... Hopefully we'll get some inside info on some good places to go. But if you have suggestions, you can always email the show, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. The email box is filling up. It is filling up. keep forwarding the new emails. People are really beginning to engage with the show, get into that email box. And some of these emails, a lot longer, more detailed than I expected. Well, and the continent of Africa actually is is right now our biggest emailer. Have we looked at the emails? Analytics of the podcast. Are we really big in Africa? Well, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, we'll have to dig into our uh, the uh, the IT department's going to have to give us the numbers on that. Yeah, we'll we'll check into we'll, it. We'll check into that. Well, we do have a lot to cover here on the Bearded Car Cast. NFL picks. We're going to have that coming up our later picks as well. Are on, on fire, fire right? Fire. We're I know. Six and zero through three weeks that that is pretty good and you have the more difficult job than i do you're picking one individual team the patriots on or against every week you were on the first two weeks you laid the points you won this last week you took the points you were a winner i get to pick any game i want this is off to an excellent start mine is very targeted uh, and i have another tough decision this week when you look at the numbers it starts to skew one way but then when you do the full analysis i don't know maybe we go the other way but we'll have the picks coming up here a little bit later but Dave I I, we, I think we got to start uh, with Charlotte with the Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton obviously uh, they got a much needed win against kind of a woeful Arizona team right now Arizona 0-2 and 1 but the way that Kyle Allen stepped in for Cam Newton and if you've been in living under a rock and you don't know what's going on you know Cam Newton got hurt after the the second game of the season. What? Yes. I don't know if you were aware of this. Has he been injury prone the last several years? The last several years, he certainly has. Huh. Yeah, that's Tell been a me little more. Bit of, yeah, it's a little bit of an issue. Um, but uh, now, apparently, uh, I don't know if the team has confirmed this. Sources, Joe Person with The Athletic, uh, among others, saying a Liz Frank fracture, which could be six, eight weeks, maybe even longer. That's um, It's basically worse than a sprain in the, the mid-level of the foot. So Kyle Allen comes in and four touchdowns, has a, like a 140 passer rating. And was really good and, in his one start last year. And he was good in his one start last year. What was interesting, Dave, I was in the locker room yesterday, and the, the couple of players that were there that talked, I mean, to a man, you could see the confidence. Jarius Wright was saying, hey, I told you guys last week, we we didn't think uh, Kyle Allen was going to come in and lay an egg. Like they were very confident in him, and and it showed. 
And then the one thing that Ron Rivera said about Kyle Allen that was was interesting uh, was that he sees the the whole field. And and I know that sounds kind of strange, but sometimes elite players, point guards particularly, that just have a better court vision. They just they just pick up things. And Kyle Allen was great at making reads down the field, particularly on one of the touchdowns to to Greg Olson. Now. Doing the post game show for the Panthers radio network, it was funny just watching Twitter and you know people were talking about quarterback controversy and I'm like, hold on a minute, this is like if we're gonna put this quarterback controversy into terms or quote unquote controversy into terms, this is like since we're in hurricane season right now, this is like there's a little tropical depression way over off the coast of Spain. Now could it develop into a full blown quarterback controversy? Absolutely. If Kyle Allen comes in, wins six seven games, it, you know it's. Uh, there's going to be a legitimate conversation. He's going hot. You stay with the hot hand or do you bring in the starter? But right now, as it stands, Cam Newton is the starter on this football team. And when he comes back from injury, it's his it's his spot to lose. Now, again, circumstances could change and that could change. But it was just interesting that going back even to like three, four years ago when Derek Anderson would come in and have a good game against Tampa Bay and everyone's like, oh, hey, we should stop right, playing but there's, Derek a, there's a big difference. There's a big difference between Kyle Allen and Derek Anderson. Age. Oh, Derek Anderson yeah. was never going to be the future of the franchise. Right. And we have no idea whether Kyle Allen is the future of the franchise. Based on where he was drafted, yeah. meaning he wasn't drafted, right. you would say, no, he's he's a fill-in. But based on what we've seen in a very, very small sample size, you go, oh, okay, maybe. If you look into Kyle Allen a little bit, very, very heavily recruited guy, a five-star he was, prospect. I think the number one quarterback out of his uh, graduation year. Right. right. Had mixed results in college, right. some very good and some really kind of lost out on a couple of, of battles to win starting quarterback jobs, but against elite sort yeah. of players. So I, I think the jury is very much still out on him. It's funny, if you don't think the Panthers are a great team this year. If you think they're a 500-type team or you think they're a, a borderline playoff team or maybe even a 7-9 and nine sort of team, playing Kyle Allen and maybe playing Will Greer is more valuable for the future of the franchise than going 8-8 eight and eight with Cam Newton where you don't actually learn anything. And I think what's exciting for Panther fans is now Kyle Allen comes in and gives you hope. Because the, the way the defense played, I mean, again, you know, Arizona has their challenges, but Kyler Murray coming in, you know, maybe hadn't been challenged by this type of defense. Panthers made great adjustments, kind of containing him, keeping him in the pocket. And when he was getting sacked, it wasn't like, uh, you know, a Drew Brees who maybe steps up into the pocket or a Tom Brady. When they get sacked, it's, you know, three, four, five yards. You know, sometimes they get the long ones. Uh, but this was consistently on those sacks, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 yards um, for losses. So I think it was encouraging to see the way the defense played. Um, but now you feel like, you know, and I think Kyle Allen will, will prove to be better than a game manager, but even if he just doesn't make mistakes and makes a couple of plays here and there and the defense does their job, th this team's going to have keep, they're going to have chances that maybe if you felt like you had a quarterback that, uh, you know, wasn't ready or wasn't prepared, you'd be more concerned. I, I think, you know, now they have a tough stretch here. Don't get me wrong. Houston coming up this week is, is going to present some problems. Then uh, they come back home. Uh, uh, the week after that, but this is going to be, you know, Houston's going to be a, a good test for them because I think it's a similar look that they're going to get, but I think Houston is obviously more accomplished than Arizona. I think this is a four-week audition. Week one, really, really good yeah. results. Don't know about the quality of the opponent. At Houston, 
Jacksonville at home, Tampa Bay in London. To me, it's after that four weeks, we have a sample size. We have tape to look at. Defenses have had an opportunity to adjust and consider what he does well and what he doesn't do well. And then you get into the bye week, and the Panthers have a chance to assess, and maybe Cam Newton is on the verge of coming back. But this is Kyle Allen's team through mid-October. What will he make of that chance. I think being optimistic about the first game is fantastic, but I think drawing any conclusions in the same way that people are drawing conclusions about uh, the Giants with one right. game out of Daniel Jones is crazy. Well, it's what's the right word? It's a, it's a not a tr- it's it's a it's a look. It's not a trend. I mean, we need to, we need more data. Uh, certainly, initial reports, initial eye test is good. But, you know, teams don't have a ton of tape on Kyle Allen. You know, only two NFL games. You know, they can go back and look at what he did at Houston. And, and you know, but there's still not a huge sample size of, of all that. Um, to me, the best thing about this performance, if it continues, Dave, is it gives, and, and perhaps the happiest person, this is going to sound counterintuitive, I think the happiest person about this is Cam Newton and Panthers management because now um, you can put the brakes on Cam Newton and just let him get healthy. Well, to a degree, yes, he's happy that the team won. He's happy that there appears to be an adequate replacement for the short term. But what if they win the next three games? I don't think that's completely crazy. If they were to beat Houston, they then become a favorite against Jacksonville and Tampa Bay. And now you're through the bye week and your starter's 0-2 and this guy's Four and zero. Your starter has only one year left on his contract and seems to break down a lot. I mean, Cam Newton might be happy right now today because he's able to get healthy. But where is he? What what is his situation if the team is four and two and Kyle Allen is looking great? Now we do know this about Cam Newton. He is a competitor. He's going to want to come back when he's probably seventy percent or eighty percent. Um, but I just think from a team perspective, and this is where. You know, one of the things you can think about, one option here is you, you can maybe wait that extra week, you know, allow Cam to get extra healthy. You know, just because of the injury situation in the last two, three years, Dave, I think you got to try and if the Panthers are four let and him two, go to get full health. If the Panthers are 4-2 and two and Kyle Allen doesn't get injured, does Cam Newton see the field the rest of the season? I think at 4-2, and two, so we're looking at a four. I think it's simple. the only situation. If they go three and one, and now you're three and three overall, and Cam's ready to come back, I think he's playing. Yeah, I, agree. I think the only scenario where you don't bring back Cam when healthy is if Daniel, or if uh, Kyle Allen wins four consecutive games. I think four consecutive games would be a, a good bench. Uh, that's the over under, right? Well, I because no, because here's what I'm saying: if it gets further down the road, and let's say this is an eight to ten week injury. And the Panthers uh, at ten weeks are looking at eight and two, or even seven and well, three. Well, then it's a no-brainer. I mean, then, then, then he's but playing. then it's but then it's Brady versus Bledsoe, right? I yeah, mean, that's, I, it's I mean, a, it's a, it's that, that 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 would be the conversation but at that point. It's not crazy to think, and and you know what? Maybe he's going to totally implode against Houston. It's a road game. It's a much better defense than last week. Yada yada yada, and the conversation is moot. But if he beats Houston. Home for Jacksonville is winnable, and Tampa neutral is very winnable. Yeah. If he's 4-0 going to the bye week, I mean, okay, let's say Cam's not ready to come back. 
go through the bye week, and Kyle Allen loses at San Francisco. He's 4-1 and one as a starter. Now you're into week nine, back half of the season. Cam Newton's ready to come back. You benching the guy that's 4-1? and one? Here's what I think about that. Just because he is your franchise quarterback, I think – he does. He, I think he does come back on the field. I think that's a very interesting term but, you just used. Is he definitely was your yeah. franchise quarterback, whether he is or well, not? I think he anymore. is until he's not. You know what I mean? Like, like from a performance standpoint. Can you close your eyes and imagine three years from now Cam Newton being the quarterback of this team, based on he had a fifteen and one season, he took the team to the Super Bowl. We have seen huge positives. But also, we have seen breakdowns over the last several years. Like, Can you imagine a situation, he comes back from this injury, he's pretty good, he's healthy the rest of the year, he's pretty good next year, he's healthy the whole year, and we're sitting here in 2021, and you go, yeah, of course Cam Newton's the guy. I think it's one of those things where, I, can I see it? Yes. Is it, w- w- my confidence level of that happening is probably less than it would have been at the beginning of the season? Or just because the... The style of play, and I think I, I've been saying this for a long time. I think Cam Newton um, has the work ethic. I, I think he has the desire and the drive. I think he can convert his game. I don't know if he wants to, or, or I don't know where he is in that in that mindset yet. And part of that is I think a lot of times his athleticism has kind of made up for what what a lot of people experts would say fundamental issues. Let's ask this question. This is a Panthers franchise future sort of question. Kyle Allen starts off good. He goes three and one, let's say. By week comes. Cam's not ready to come back. Totally, totally realistic that he's just and not healthy and, and enough. And there's no timetable, Dave. So, I mean, he could be out eight weeks, ten weeks. We don't know. Let's he say, could come back in four. Let's say the know. team is five and seven. Yeah, five and seven. Cam Newton is ready to come back. Yeah. Do you, Do you bring play him, him at that point? Would it not help the team more okay, to play the, Will Greer the last four right. games of the year? And now you've seen Kyle Allen and you've seen Will Greer. But what if, okay, so we're saying five and seven. What if the rest of the division is six and six? It's a Fair, no-brainer. Totally right? different I mean, scenario. Absolutely. Right? Or if they're within two games? Absolutely. I would say this. This would be one thought that I had when we're talking about this. And again, it's just is all speculation. Uh, what if the situation is Panthers are hovering around 500, maybe a game or two above 500, Cam Newton comes back, and again, it's that tough decision. I think just because of the history with with, uh, with Marty and Ron Rivera, Marty Herney and Ron Rivera with Cam. If I you're think, in contention. No, but let me finish. Let me finish. Mike, I think a legitimate question would be, if they're in contention or they're close, he comes back, does he have a short leash? Like if they do bring him back. Great question. You know, and I think the answer would be, at that point, I, I think you— I don't think he can you play gotta, that game. Yeah. If, if he's your guy, he's the guy. Right. And he wins or loses. I'm just not sure where that line of delineation is. I, I gather, though, through this conversation, we've kind of parsed it out. If Kyle Allen hasn't gone bonkers, if right. he's not 4-0 or 6-1 and yeah. or something like that, and you're in contention— then Cam Newton gets that opportunity. Right. And it's his last opportunity. If Cam Newton then fails down the stretch, you're looking at options going forward. But if you are not in contention, 
what is the value in bringing Cam Newton back? At that point, Kyle Allen and Will Greer are more worthwhile to see what they have than knowing you have a banged-up 30-year-old quarterback. I would, well, to, to kind of agree with what you're saying and maybe putting a little mile spin on it, I think if they're in a similar situation to last year, like he comes back at Week 12 and they're, they're out of it, I, I wouldn't put him on the field again either. Right, unless— well, I mean, let him get healthy and then give him a chance— because next year is going to be a contract year for him. Right, but you can get out of that if you want to. No, it's but only I'm, one No, but year. what I'm saying is if you still believe that he's your guy. Well, and that's the question. So maybe I, I suggest the last four games, you might want to see what Will Greer brings to the table. You could argue very convincingly— I want to know what Cam Newton's got left. But I like, say, you but, need to play him just to know whether you should have him. But next but you year. have two two guys that have staked their careers basically on this guy. Good point. Right. Very good I mean, point. So, and that's how decisions are often made. Yeah. So I mean I, I I mean I think they ride or die with him. I think that's a really good point. Because if Cam Newton goes, what are the chances Ron and Marty go with him? Pretty but, good. But the other thing is, I mean, look at I mean, look at the positives. You know, I mean, the the, the passing yards the first couple of years. The, the, he he has the most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. He took this team to a Super Bowl. I mean, there is, and you know how this is with 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 pro sports because uh, you and I both covered it uh, for a long time. I mean, the, I mean, even though Kyle Allen is the the newer, younger. Now the question I think would be, where does ownership fall in all this? You know, and where does because maybe David Tepper has a different because yep. he didn't. You know, he wasn't here when Cam Newton was drafted. So that all I think has to play into it, but. Sometimes you, you, you know, you ride with the with the with the, the horse that brought to you the or the the girl. You, <laughs> I'm butchering this metaphor. You, you take the girl that took you took to the dance or whatever, right? Whatever that metaphor is. But, um, but you know now. You, but then you got to throw in these real world things, right? Like, okay, so undrafted guy, a lot less money, you know, and he's you know what seven years younger than than Cam. So I, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think it's going to be fun to see. Um, how this plays out because right now we're kind of going on a lot of speculation but I mean there's some this there could be some serious long-term decisions being made in a very short term This is the Bearded Carcast. I'm Dave Friedman. That's Mike Pacheco. If you go back into the Bearded Carcast archive, yeah. we talked about Kyle Allen after his performance in Week 17 last year and suggested he was worthy of a roster spot and who knows what the future looks like. Well, he's not the only shiny toy in the NFL these days. We saw a lot of backup quarterbacks last week. And what do you make of them? Because... People have jumped to conclusions. Yeah. The Giants have found the next coming, and oh boy, the Steelers are in big trouble. With everyone, I would caution, we haven't seen that many reps. Well, it's you know, this happens every year, right, both in college and in the NFL. Uh, you know, how many overreactions are there to a team's performance in week one? Yeah. I mean, this is really the equivalence, the equivalency of that. And for a quarterback, I mean, I think you have to give it six or eight games, not three or four. I mean, you can start to develop trends. Jared Goff wasn't good for an entire uh, season. Yeah, right, right. Um, and look at I mean, and look at Kyler Murray. I mean, the first two games, everyone was like, oh, this guy's going to be the next big thing. Well, guess what? He had his welcome to the NFL moment in week three against the yeah, Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and he might defense. be great and he might not be good. It's like all the people that get excited about preseason. Right. It's just really hard to tell. Yeah. No, it's, it's extremely so, hard to tell. So if, if you're the Giant fans, 
I would be excited. A young guy that you spent a first-round draft pick on gives you hope, just like you said about Kyle Allen. But But that's it. Like, you can't take the one game and suggest... He's going to Canton. Right. And you can't take the one game and dismiss it completely either. It's a really, really good start. You know what to me was more impressive last week, though? It was the Saints. Yes. Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. is not a guy that people are super excited about. I mean, he's done an okay job over a reasonable period of time. And they go to Seattle. And we don't know if Seattle is a great team or a good right, team, but right. they're, they're at very least average. And that's a hard place to win. They kick their butt. Like, to me, that's Sean Payton saying, I'm challenged now, and I'm rising to the occasion to find a way. That's a Saints team that, without Drew Brees, I still think they're the overwhelming favorite to win the division. Okay, but after, after your starting quarterback, after, you know, elite pass rusher, maybe one other position, it, it's almost becoming... The backup quarterback has to be, you know, in your top five or six decision moves because just look at Carolina. It's a huge decision because it's a budgetary issue. Well, it's a budgetary issue, Dave, but also uh, the way the game is now, I mean, look at look at all the guys that are hurt. And I know we're going to get into some of that later, but, you know, Ben Roethlisberger out, Drew Brees out last year, Cam Newton out. I mean, but it's really different. All of those situations are different because New Orleans is dedicating a piece of the salary cap right. to backup quarterback. The Panthers' backup quarterback doesn't cost anything. Pittsburgh's backup quarterback doesn't cost anything. Right. And then there's the old philosophy that if quarterback X goes down, he's so good, we're not good enough to win the Super Bowl anyway, so why should we right. spend money right. on backup quarterback? And if quarterback? it's early, and if you have that catastrophic thing happen early and you don't have a good backup, now you're, you're pulling a Miami and you're... Or, or you're you trying to do get what the Colts drafted. did and you trade. Yeah. That's an option as well. You can go out and spend uh, draft collateral right. and bring in someone that you think can help well, it's you. It's all about collecting assets, Dave. That's right, exactly. Um, but when you look at what we saw in the NFL in week three and we push forward towards week four, I think maybe not the most intriguing game this coming week is 3-0 Buffalo and 3-0 New England. Now, I, I don't think anyone objectively thinks the Bills have a very good chance to win the game, but what the Bills do have is hope. Because their quarterback, second-year guy, young guy, has played really well. And yeah, the Bills haven't beaten the best teams in the league. But they're 3-0, and that merits discussion. And when you watch them play, remember, this is a team that traded a couple of players for draft picks. They weren't tanking last year like the Dolphins were, but they weren't overly concerned with wins and losses. And now the fruits of that labor are a team in a bad division that looks like they're going to compete. And you know who the happiest uh, people, quote-unquote, are in the Buffalo area? The the stores that sell those tables, the, the yeah. white plastic yeah. tables that, yeah. that the Buffalo fans jump into. Well, but it's it's built on kind of what has made Carolina successful. I mean, it's built on a quarterback. It's built on a good defense. And uh, Frank Gore has somehow found the fountain of youth. Uh, there are like three or four guys annually in the NFL, and you don't want— He's like 36, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's exactly that. 
You don't want old guys, particularly at running back, except there are always a couple of dinosaurs, <laughs> yeah. Willis McGahee yeah. or Marshawn Lynch yeah. or Frank Gore that just, I don't know if it's their conditioning or maybe it's the skill set. They were never speed burners, right, right. but you can dump a pass off to them and they're good in pass protection and all those sort of things. Sometimes the Patriots have those guys uh, that you go, not a great fantasy football player, sure. great football player. Right. And I wonder if Frank Gore is that, that every coach in the league is happy to have him on the field because if he's not running for five yards a carry, you know what? He does everything else really well. Well, and he's also a guy that younger guys, not just at the running back position, but I mean, he's a long-term NFL player. I mean, he can, he, there's one of the things that makes Tom Brady so successful at, at his age, 42 years old, Physically, he's you know not what he was, and he's certainly not physically like a lot of the other guys. But he knows the game so well, and he is such a student of the game. And I think Frank Gore can bring some of that to, and has brought some of that to Buffalo. That's gonna be. We're gonna talk about that game a little bit later when we do our picks, or whenever you want to do them. We can. Do well, them. I mean, we're t- we're on the topic Let's do it. now. Okay. I mean, you, you break it down for us. Three and O Bills, three and O Patriots. There is a tendency based only on what we have seen over the last 20 years to go, oh, it's the 3-0 Bills on their way to a 7-9 and season and the 3-0 <laughs> Patriots on their way to a 14-2 and campaign. But you mentioned the word hope that, that, that Buffalo has. And I, I saw some people on, on Twitter this week, uh, Buffalo fans that, uh, that I know. And, I mean, they're, they, 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 oh, this is the year. They're, they're, their mantra is, oh, this is the year we overtake the Patriots. See, but I think realistically the Bills fans have to look at their team like I do the Oakland A's. I am a diehard A's fan. I listen or watch a huge number of games, particularly this time of year. And I believe this is the best A's team since the Giambi, Tejada, Eric Chavez, Mulder, Hudson, Zito teams. I mean, if you haven't watched the A's, and I will not talk about this for more than 30 seconds, <laughs> their corner infielders, Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, are unbelievable. Yeah. Marcus Simeon's a borderline MVP candidate this Former year. Ramon Laureano has been tremendous. He's an yeah. old Rule 5 guy. Mark Canna has had a war of like six over right. the last three months. And they have all this young pitching. Right. Jesus Lazardo and A.J. Puck. If the A's make the wild card game yeah. and win a wild card game. They advance to an actual postseason series. I'll be thrilled. If you're the Bills, if you could make a wild card and win a playoff game, yeah. you have to be ecstatic. Now, that means you're young and you're excitable and you've accomplished something. And maybe next year you're ready to take that step. Right. This Bills team is not winning the Super Bowl. Breaking news, the Bills are not winning the Super Bowl. But for the first time in a long time, there's a realistic reason to think this is a capable professional franchise moving in the right direction. And every time I hear the the term war, you know, wins against replacement, I always think war. What is it good for? <laughs> All right, so New England uh, is favored by seven points on the road at Buffalo. And on the surface, you might say, okay, 3-0 Buffalo, team that's uh, fifth in the league, points per game, 15.7 points per game uh, is what their uh, is what their defense is holding teams to. The Patriots are scoring 35.3 points per game. So the defense is giving up 15 points a game. Patriots are scoring 35 points a game. They're fifth in yards per game and uh, eighth in rushing yards uh, allowed. So you look at it's a pretty good Buffalo defense. And you look at you know the Patriots, obviously, they're number ones in overall uh, total yards. Uh, they're number one in, in points. Uh, but to me, Dave, this is this is so. So when you look at some of these numbers, you think, OK, maybe maybe seven points is, you know, maybe Buffalo, maybe the, the Vegas line is, is accurate. And, and maybe this is going to be inside of seven points. 
I'm going to take. I'm going to take the. I'm going New England. I'm taking New England here. I would also take New England. But here's why, Dave. Uh, now, granted, the the, the Patriots' uh, first three opponents: Pittsburgh, Miami, and the Jets. Oh, of nine. Okay, but Patriots outscored them 106 to 17. Okay. The, now, now the Bills. It's not like they've had murderers row either. It's interesting the Patriots played seven preseason games this year. <laughs> well, hey, the, the Bills aren't that far behind. Their their opponents are one and eight. The Giants with the only win there. But here's the difference, Dave. Sixty six to forty seven is the points differential. So wh- while both have had kind of cupcakes to start off, New England's been blowing them out. Uh, Bills have had really tough games, so I think the Patriots are going to win by more than seven points. People always say, you know, or or the league wants more regular season games or get rid of the preseason <laughs> games. Seems like these teams have played a whole a whole lot of preseason I mean, games. How about that? One of seventeen. That's brutal. The, the first, and somebody's paying to watch yeah. that exhibition I know, football. I know. The first two weeks of the year, I took the Colts. They covered both. Last week, I took the Rams, yeah. and they covered. Going back to the Colts this week, I think the Colts are really good. They win games in the trenches. I love teams that push their opponent around. And they're facing a Raider team that, aside from that Monday night win over Denver, quite frankly, just hasn't looked very good. Here's a take for you you're not going to hear everywhere. Okay, It's possible that the Colts division is really good. It doesn't make sense to say that because if you watch the Thursday night Tennessee-Jacksonville game, you went, ew, these teams are exactly what we've seen for years. But that division this year, when they have played teams outside of each other, has been radically successful. So it's possible Tennessee, Houston, Jacksonville, and Indianapolis all are a bit underrated. But for me, I really like Frank Reich, and I really like their line play, and I think they're going to beat the Raiders and beat the Raiders handily. I like the six-and-a-half-point spread I saw Monday better than the seven I see (laughs) now, but I'll lay the touchdowns and take the Colts. Okay, so let's start with the – we mentioned some 3-0 teams. What 3-0 teams are legit? What 3-0 teams do you think are maybe posers? Well – I mean, I don't think we know who the Patriots are, and I think they're going to be 4-0, and they're probably going to be 12-4. and What I've seen about the Patriots so far that I like is the defense. Oh, yes. The defense yes. is dynamic. Yeah. But you lost James Devlin this week. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for Sonny Michel, who's used to running yes. behind yeah, a, fullback. a fullback? They're a little bit chewed up on the offensive line. I'm not sure that the Patriots, when the games actually get tough and the opponents become legitimate, I'm not sure they're not winning games defensively. The over-under on that game against Buffalo is 42. Vegas is not telling you it's going to be a shootout. I I think that the Patriots may win defensively for for much of the year. You mentioned they've given up 17 points all year. And they're taking the ball away, too. Kansas City is doing what Andy Reid does at the start of every year. Kansas City, or or Reed more specifically, they're always ready to go. They always get off to great starts. The question with them is, how are they going to be the final four weeks of the regular season into the postseason? They certainly offensively are unbelievably talented. They clearly have gone to a philosophy of speed. I mean, they lost Tyree Kill, and it didn't matter. They just plug in another dude that runs a 4-2, and off they go. And Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL, and I don't think it's particularly close right now um but but you're not going to know how good they are until 
December, January. The team that I don't like that's 3-0 and is playing tonight, and we're taping on Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. I think the Packers are. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, the Packers have played a good schedule, but the eye test tells me that they're not that good. And they play a 1-2 and two Philadelphia team tonight who looks a little bit lost themselves. Yeah. I, I think Philly has a really good chance to beat Green Bay. I've watched most of the Packers' three games, and, I mean, Aaron Rodgers does not appear to be the player that he was right. three or four years ago. And They've scored 58 points in three games. We think of them as a dynamic offense. That's less than 20 points a game. Now, their D has been good, not great. I, I'm not I'm not enamored with the three and0 Packers. I think the jury is really still out on the 49ers who are three and0 and they have a bye this week. I like Kyle Shanahan a great deal and maybe they are going to be a playoff team, a nine and seven, 10 and six team. I don't think that's a 12 win football team. What about uh, now Detroit's two oh and one uh, so I think we need to see a little bit more out of them. Uh, in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo back now, you know, they had the big uh, loss on the offensive line. But, uh, you know, what's interesting about San Francisco, and I think this might be an East Coast bias thing I'm about to say, and I'm going to admit it. I just haven't seen a lot of San Francisco. And it just, you know, you look up and down the roster. Well, I, mean, I do think Kyle Shanahan is excellent. Mm-hmm. And I think Garoppolo fits what he wants to do. He's going to complete passes and make plays and, and not kill you. And I think his upside is pretty high. But, I mean, like, again, they look like a borderline playoff team to me. They don't look like they're going to contend with the Rams, although the Rams haven't looked very good. The Lions, I mean, you know I have a very, very soft spot for 70-year-old defensive coordinator (laughs) Paul Paul Pascaloni, and the defense has been good. I mean, they held the Chargers down. They did enough to beat Carson Wentz. They they yeah. tied against Arizona in the opener. But like you said about the 49ers, I have not watched a lot of Detroit Lions football this week. And their upcoming schedule is Chiefs, Packers, Vikings. If they were 2-3-1 and one after six weeks, it wouldn't be all that surprising. Well, here's one thing about the Patriots that uh, I think is interesting. They're the first team in the Super Bowl era not to allow a passing or rushing touchdown in each of their first three games of the season. Now, granted, it's not against Murderer's Row. It's not against the Rams, and it's not against Kansas City, but um, you know that's still something to keep an eye on just to kind of reiterate your point about the, uh, the uh, defense there. I think Buffalo is probably... I mean, they're going to be the second-best team in the AFC East, but that's not really a hard accomplishment when you look at the competition for a second place. I feel like I'm at least one of the top two regular <laughs> members of the Bearded Carcast. I think I agree with that. I would definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, now, how about let's let's flip this because I think this is, to me, I, I, I don't know why this fascinates me, but I always like looking three, four weeks into the season and see who's undefeated and see who's winless. Now, you know, obviously Miami's not a surprise because the, you know they, they basically have shown their hand. At the, they, they are who we think they are. I mean, are. the big surprise is Pittsburgh. Yes, Pittsburgh is 0-3, and Ben Roethlisberger has been out for, what, a game and a half of that? But they've given up 85 points, which I think is the second most in the AFC behind only the Dolphins, and Mason Rudolph wasn't spectacular in his first start. I think Mason Rudolph will get better. I think Pittsburgh, and they were a team I liked coming into the season, will find themselves. But is that division 
is Baltimore, I guess that division comes down to how good is Baltimore? Because if you think Lamar Jackson and that squad is going 11 and five, Pittsburgh's in deep doo-doo. But if you think Baltimore is more of a nine and seven sort of team, even at 0 and three, Pittsburgh's in okay shape. It's not as though Cleveland has been overly impressive in the early going. I would say Pittsburgh does have a must-win Monday night at home against Cincinnati, another 0-3 team. For bad matchups, quote-unquote bad matchups, two 0-3 teams, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh is a pretty compelling Monday night game. Yes, it certainly is. What about the other? No, here's the thing. That, 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 that game is interesting to me because on, on the surface, uh, it looks like it can be a, a complete dud. Um, but, you know, one thing I think that is compelling about the, that game is that there are uh, two teams that basically uh, their backs are against the wall. And, and sometimes those games, are, you know, because their backs are against the wall and it's possible that they're not done. Like right. if, you, if you're 0 3 and you don't have any reason to be optimistic like the Dolphins, it, it doesn't matter. Right. But Pittsburgh. They have a history of winning eight, nine, ten games. They went to the final game of the season last year with an opportunity to go to the playoffs. And yeah, the Ben Roethlisberger loss is huge. But we talked last week about adding Minka Fitzpatrick. He was tremendous in mm-hmm. his first game. And I think there are reasons to think they could be pretty good. Here's the team that's 0-3 that most people are going to dismiss that I think is okay. Denver. Yeah. Because... They've played the Bears and Packers the last two weeks, and most people thought coming into the year those were two pretty decent teams. The loss to the Raiders on that first Monday night of the year was certainly disappointing, but I think Denver's defense is actually solid, if not spectacular, and probably is going to get better as the year goes along. Vic Fangio is a first-year head coach, but he's been around a long, long time. It wouldn't be surprising to me if they got going a little bit. The problem is the schedule. They just don't have many soft landing spots. That, I think, was supposed to be the hardest division in the NFL going into the season. And if they were to lose this week to Jacksonville, or even if they win this week against Jacksonville, lose next week to the Chargers, it's just an uphill climb. I feel like they're the type of team that's going to have value against the spread for much of the year, but might put up a real ugly record. All right, this is the Bearded Car Cast. A uh, lot, lot more ground to cover. We do want to talk about college basketball. And uh, I think what's interesting is something that we, we in our pre- pre-show meeting we discussed is how you watch games. So that's next year, the Bearded Car Cast. Season three, Bearded Carcast, Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman. Glad you're listening here. Drop us a line. We always like to hear from people, particularly in the United States. Bearded no, Carcast at Outlook.com. An international audience. <laughs> I've enjoyed the people that are loyal listeners yeah. and reach out. Now, sometimes the, the English is a little bit broken, but that's just the nature of dealing with people of all cultures. We embrace everyone here. No, what I love, and, and I think we might read the, the latest one uh, in a little bit here. It'll take about half hour. No, well, I'll just get to the highlights. But it, it's almost like reading an essay from a high school senior. 
because you're throwing in words that maybe don't fit, but they sound big and they sound they sound good. They're like SAT words. If your words. son writes like that as a high school senior, I am not going no. to be overly optimistic about uh, his chances going long term. So coming in, we're talking about uh, you know how how maybe we've changed our TV viewing. You can change how you listen to the Bearded Carcast because now we're on Stitcher. So make sure you check us out on Stitcher, and of course, always on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And the reason why I thought this was interesting. Dave is 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 how we're watching games now. Now, normally on a Sunday, I'm uh, either watching just Panthers or I'm at the Panthers watching them live in person. So, uh, but because we had Sunday off, we had the Thursday game. Uh, I was able to be kind of like a civilian on Sunday, and it was kind of neat because we do have the the Direct TV package. So, you know, I, I predominantly was watching uh, early on the Patriots, but when that you know that game started to get out of hand a little bit, I love absolutely love. 702 and 703 when you can see like multiple games. So sometimes they have like the four game box and then the six game box. Do you have a really large TV? Because those channels that essentially subdivide your television no, it, it's, screen. It, it is tiny. Yeah, we have a fairly good size. We, I think it's probably like a 55 inch. Yeah. I mean, like those channels are meant for like an 120 inch TV sure. where each of those screens is big enough to watch. But what I like about it is um, so we kind of use that as like a a preview channel, in other words. So we're like, okay, okay, well, this one game's getting close. Then we'll bounce over to that yep. and, and then click in and go. So to you're that. not a red zone guy. Um, for some reason, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not the one that orders Directv in our house, so I don't know exactly how it goes. But for some reason, we don't have the red zone channel. So you bought the package but didn't buy the red zone. Yeah, that might have been. A That's st- what I do too. Yeah, but I'm not a red zone guy because I don't want to watch fractions of games and highlights i want to watch sure full games yeah I, but that's why i like having those preview channels because you, can you kinda, know where to go right this is how i line it and, up and on i Sunday. can and we listen so like if there is a game of the week that we want to watch we'll listen to that and but if another game's getting close we'll just in, the, in our games in a commercial or whatever and then we'll switch over sunday i set up two tvs i pick two primary games and then a third game that i'm interested in and There are a million commercial breaks during every game. So both of the TVs, our A TV and our B TV, switch to the same third game. So at any commercial break, you're sampling whatever that third game is. And doing that, you can digest two games really well and a third game reasonably well. And then once you hit 3.30, which I've affectionately called my favorite (laughs) hour of the week for years and years, you switch as need be to the exciting games or the relevant games or whatever. Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good call. But I just don't think if you if you sit down and watch the red zone for three and a half hours, you have no clue. I'm telling you that I think the Colts offensive line's really good. You don't know no, that don't watching know. Right. a couple no. of plays right. here and there. If but you also la- need to see where drives start. Like last Sunday, I wanted to watch the Ravens and Chiefs. That was the game I wanted to watch. I said to my wife at about 11 o'clock, today is the day why we buy the package because it wasn't on locally in Charlotte. That's the game. That's the two teams that had the hype, that were exciting, that were interesting. And I had that game on ATV, the big TV, for, I don't know, two and a half quarters, three quarters. Then I moved it to the BTV. I right. flopped the two games. Now, you don't throw in a computer or a tablet. I have one available, yeah. but I have found you can't watch three games simultaneously. Yeah. Like I, 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 If I try to put the tablet on right. and watch the third game, I don't feel like I see any right. of the three games. If I have two games on, I can watch them. If I'm flipping at commercials to a third game, I get a decent idea of what's going on in that one. Any more than that, it, 
I can't, I don't really know what's going yeah. on. Like at some point you're trying to do too much and right. you're not accomplishing anything. Well, remember back in the day, if you wanted to watch a game that wasn't on the local channels, you had to go to a sports bar. And I think what's interesting now is, uh, I thought I read something recently that uh, Nielsen or the rating services are now going to actually somehow try to uh, use that into the mix in ratings. It, I grew up on the West Coast. NFL football starts at 10 a.m. Yeah. As like a 13 or a 14-year-old, I would beg my parents to take me to a bar. Obviously yeah. not to drink, just right. to watch the games right. all day long. But when I got my driver's license, I met my grandfather at a bar every Sunday <laughs> at 10 a.m. And we watched games the entire day. When I was a freshman at Syracuse, you know, people want to sit in a dorm room and watch this game or they want to do yeah. this. I drove to a bar and watched the full slate of NFL games. Even when I was... 18 or 19, yeah. even when you can't drink, because I want to see the full slate of games. And that's the reason I never attend games. If you say, do you want tickets to a game? Thursday night, standalone game? Maybe. I have nothing else going right, on. Right. Sunday night, Monday night, standalone games. At, at 1 o'clock on Sunday, you miss too much attending a game. Yeah. I have no interest in doing that. If you're sitting there focused on one game, now it's possible that you hit the lottery and that's the one compelling game of the week. It's two really good teams. They play a really good game. But more than likely, it's either teams that aren't very good yeah. or teams that don't play a very interesting game when you could be sitting at home and watching all the good games. So we are two older guys. You asked me uh, in our pre-show meeting about my son, who's 13. Like, what is he? how does he watch games? And it's interesting, Dave. He does not really watch TV except for NFL football or, or any sporting event that he's interested in uh, or Big Brother on CBS. Those are the, those <laughs> but, but he consumes everything now on his either on a tablet or on a phone, and he's watching YouTube. I mean, he, he kind of has some historical knowledge because he's going back and watching old videos. Um, he'll watch you know Netflix and he'll look up stuff. He'll read ESPN. Uh, he reads Yahoo Sports. You know, so he so he that's how he's consuming it. You know, when when I was a kid, I was a Boston Globe paper boy. Uh, so how I would I would pour over the the paper every single day. I would first start with sports, and then I, I actually did. Um, and this is probably why I became a political science major. I, I would read the whole newspaper. So I'd read the front, the local section, and all that entertainment. Uh, I would start with sports, but uh, one of the best. I mean, it was almost like a weekly course was that Sunday Boston Globe uh, sports section because you had Peter Gammons, you had Will McDonough, um, you know, you had uh, Bob Ryan, you had uh, Kevin Paul DuPont, who's still with the paper, Dan Shaughnessy. I mean, these guys, I mean, it was... It's a who's who. It was a who's who, you know, and it's, it's, what's unfortunate is, you know, almost like in our business, I think... It's it's easier to get into the business, but I think the the more talented guys, it, it's harder for them to filter up, if you will. And what I mean by that is, uh, if you took any any newspaper in the country right now, uh, and take a look at Charlotte. I mean, I know them, I know these guys personally, so I know who's covering them. But I, I bet the general public, comparative to 20 years ago, would have no idea who's covering um, certain. No, 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 the fans will know, but just the casual. Because I don't think anyone's reading newspapers anymore, even online, and that's it's sad. Because I think that's um, when you look at what, what's going. And this is the, the only thing we're going to say politically, and it's not really political. But I think part of the reason we're in the situation we're in is people aren't 
getting um, a wider view. Only, if you're a whistleblower, reading... Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. That's Bearded Carcast. Is, is it encrypted? At Outlook.com. <laughs> we have encrypted stuff if whistleblowers want to. Uh, no, we don't have. We're not encrypted. We're not that. Uh, we're not that. Before we call it a day, we are here at the Winthrop Coliseum. It is the first day of college basketball practice for Winthrop. The, the rules are teams actually start different times now. You can start 40 days yeah. before your first game. So Winthrop is not starting on the first day you can play. So a couple of teams, or actually a bunch of teams, have already started earlier this week. But when you think about college basketball this season, what are the things, whether it be Winthrop-related or nationally-related, what are you excited about? Well, I am excited about this Winthrop team. Um, it's a very highly touted recruiting class. DJ Burns, who's a, a four-star local kid, uh, transferring from Tennessee, got the waiver, so he's going to be able to play this year. Uh, mixed in with some of the players that we have coming back from last year, Josh Ferguson's going to be a senior uh, so I'm excited to see that. I I'm really excited to see that. Uh, I'm excited that we're going to go to Cameron Indoor Arena. Uh, I'm I'm really I know this is kind of more centric about about us. I'm excited about that. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see St. Mary's. Haven't seen them live. Uh, going to Fresno State. So uh, you know we'll also go to Hartford TCU. That's going to be fun um, on the big stage. I mean I think it's going to be interesting for for people that do follow the Big South. Christian Keeling is going to be at North Carolina. So it'll be interesting to see a guy that played in the Big South and see you know how his game can adapt to the ACC. Um, and to be honest with you, on the negative side, um, I'm very interested to see what's going on with Bill Self in Kansas. That's the biggest story. Yeah. Like, I am very excited for college basketball season. I don't see how anyone can have a team other than Michigan State as the favorite. They went to the Final Four last year. Yeah. They're absolutely loaded. They get guys back from injury. Cassius Winston's unbelievable. Um, locally here with Winthrop, DJ Burns, could be a difference maker. I yeah. can't wait to watch the first practice. We're a couple hours away from the first practice of the year. I mean, his size is all that. He's 6'8", 250. But he's a freshman, mm -hmm. and we'll see how that goes. But he could be a guy that really changes the way the team plays because you got to get him post-touches. Yep. Winthrop has a lot of guys, first-year players, that they – I mean, in a little bit I've watched so far, just in workouts and what I've heard – there's a legitimate reason for great optimism. But Kansas is the story. Yeah. Now, nothing's going to happen immediately. Right. Like It's not like Bill Self is going to get fired tomorrow. It's not like they're going to get banned from the postseason. We're just at the very beginning of the story. But it sure looks like they're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I mean the texts are pretty damning, damaging that came out in the FBI investigation. And I know they're trying to spin it, but uh, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for Bill Self in Kansas. Does that, to you, put a black cloud over the season, or does that affect the way you watch the season? The sad thing about this, Dave, is it's it's it's, it's almost like, and we've talked about how maybe legitimizing or, or you know paying players takes that maybe element out of it, but it's just it's just it's just this ugly wink wink nodge nodge that it's you know for, we're, we've talked for about thirty years about payer you know it, it started out with the envelopes right uh, it, it was you'd you'd go to a, a party after a game or you'd go to a function and you know a, a booster hands you a manila envelope with you know wads of cash in it you know and, and now it's you know people's houses getting paid for and, and and you know parents getting jobs and and cars i mean it's always been cars but i, I don't know it's i don't like that end of it I, I think that has to get cleaned up i don't know what the answer is i i'm not smart enough for that but i i do think that 
Um, it does cast a little bit of a pall for me over over it because it's you know, especially the way that you, if you read some of those texts, I mean, Bill Self is now he he. It's anecdotal. It's not evidentiary, but it doesn't look good. No, but he says, "Hey, you know, well, North Carolina and Duke are doing it too. Kentucky too. I mean, so it's like, you know, if any of those four teams, you know, and so anybody, look, look, all those Power Five uh, powerhouses in basketball, they're all tied in with somebody, whether it's Adidas or or Nike. Um, I don't think New Balance is doing that, but you know, (laughs) we got to go, Mike. But the fans need to hear about the emails. Yes, let's go to the mailbag. Do we have a Do we have a stinger? Do we We have a sound? We'll come up with something. We'll come up with something. But this is from our our dear friend uh, Hama Diallo. Great. Yeah. Did he play at Kentucky? Um, No, I don't think he's he's related. Well, see, he's uh, he's from the. Wagandugu Republic of Burkina Faso. I've heard very nice things about that. I right. think I think you sent me this, and I, I think I told you Air France flies yes. in there quite yes, frequently. You so you know. Well, we'll we'll just read a little bit of this because these these crack me up. So, dear friend, with due respect to your person and much sincerity of purpose, I make this contact with you as I believe you can be of great as- assistance to me. Okay, so he gives us his name. Presently, I work in the African Development Bank as Telex Manager. I think last week we had the Telex Manager from Bank of Africa reach out to us. We're very popular with yeah. that demo, which makes sense. So this is interesting because I didn't know that you've been to Burkina Faso, Dave. I know I haven't been. but uh, So our good dear friend Hama Diallo says, I have been searching for your contact since you left our country some years ago. Huh. Well, it could have been an easy, you know, there, there are a lot of Mikes and Daves. Yeah. Like you could very easily... So he's about to retire from active bank service to start a new life, but skeptical to reveal this particular secret to a stranger. Mm. But how can we be strangers if we're his dear friend? Mm. Um, uh, because uh, we're not going to suffer again. Oh, no. So you must assure me that everything will be handled confidentially because we are not going to suffer again in life. It's been 10 years now that the most greedy African politician used our bank to launder money overseas through the help of political advisors, yada, yada, yada. I acted as bank officer to most of the politicians when I discovered that they were using me to succeed in this greedy act. So mm. it, he's... Uh, well, I think I emailed you back and I said, you know, this seems potentially very lucrative well, for us. Well, let me get to that, okay? So uh, so these dirty politicians laundered over $5 billion, with a B, dollars uh, during the process. Uh, he's sending this message to us now. Uh, he was able to divert 35 million United States dollars to an escrow account belonging to no one in the bank. The bank is anxious to know how the beneficiary of the funds is, because they have uh, made a lot of profits with these funds. Right, right. So it's been more than eight years now. Most of the politicians are no longer using the bank to transfer funds overseas. 35 million dollars has been laying around. Right. Yeah, and uh, he he doesn't want to retire uh, from the bank without transferring these funds to a foreign account to enable me to share the proceeds with the receiver. The money will be shared 60 percent for me. 40% for you. So that means 20% for you and 20% for right. me. Right. Now, do you agree that, you know, we don't know Should him. we reach out back to our friend here? Right. Like, I, I think I emailed you very responsibly and said it would be wrong not to explore this further, <laughs> but I don't want to put ourselves in a compromising situation either. Yeah. I think the suggestion... Since there are a lot of Air France flights, by the, uh, the there prosecutor is from Ukraine. that we get together and meet. Yeah, like and since he can get to France easily, yeah. and we have nonstops from Charlotte to France, right. I think we just go there. We meet, you know, because we're talking about such a large amount of money. That's a drop in the bucket to yeah. pay for our plane tickets. Sure. So I, I think we send him a note back and we go, 
hey, what did you think of the most recent episode of the Bearded <laughs> Carcast? You know, did you agree with Mike's take yeah. about the Bills and Patriots? Kind of, you know, get a friendly banter going and be like, you know what? Let's have a cocktail, a meal. We'll sit down yeah. in France and and we'll iron this out. Maybe in good faith he should throw a million dollars on some of our picks. Well, then we just have more money. I mean, we are 6-0. and All right. Well, that's Russ. Uh, we are on Stitcher now, so uh, check we'll us out. We'll talk to you next week from Paris. 